Thank you very much, Eric. And just to uh, clarify, Sukkot is Wednesday evening uh, and Thursday morning, so we hope to see you then. My husband, Greg, is a Bruce Springsteen superfan. He grew up on a steady diet of his parents' bootlegs and knows the lyrics to every song. Slowly, in the course of our relationship, I too have come to learn to love the boss. So when Springsteen released his autobiography last year, it naturally found a place on our bookshelf. I loved reading Springsteen's anecdotes about his family and early boardwalk days in New Jersey. There were some wild stories of his youth that were fun, but I was even more impressed by how candid he was in the memoir about his father's and his own struggles with mental health. Bruce Springsteen suffers from clinical depression. He writes in the book about the positive impact that over 30 years of treatment have had on his ability to cope with his depression. The illness is always with him, and sometimes it is hard. In recent years, he wrote in the memoir, in his early 60s, he sank deeply into the darkness of depression. Today, Springsteen, at 68 years old, is one of the most prolific and renowned songwriters of all time. He accomplished all of this amid his illness, not apart from it. Countless Springsteen fans have seen with their own eyes and heard with their own ears just how much inspired living can take place while navigating the treachery of mental illness. As a rabbi, I have also seen with my own eyes and heard with my own ears how much devastation and isolation can accompany those who live within the darkness of mental illness. I cannot tell you how many conversations I have had over the years with people who struggle with mental illness or care for those who suffer. In our congregation, there are many, many families whose lives have been forever impacted by depression, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, anxiety, among others. There are numerous families, too, in our community for whom addiction which is often accompanied by mental health challenges, consumes their lives. And yet, despite the many, they often feel alone and bear their struggles as a burden to be carried in isolation. Mental illness and addiction are the elephants in the middle of our synagogues. We all know they're out there, but we are not talking about them. Today, this Yom Kippur, I want us to remove these conversations from the hidden shadows of our communities and bring them forward. We are well aware that there is a crisis in our city. We know it when we step into the downtown east side. We know it when we make hospital visits at St. Paul's and VGH, where mental health and addiction-related patient numbers rose by 75% between 2009 and 2015. There are enormous measures that need to be taken by the city and the province to better fund mental health services. 
But the thing is, the struggles we feel comfortable talking about as a public health crisis are our crisis as well. We know it because we experience it in our own homes, in our families, our synagogue, in our lives. We know it because one of every five Canadians experiences a mental health or addiction problem in their lifetime. We dance around these illnesses because of the stigma we attach to those who suffer in their grip. It could be because we have built a society in which there is one set of rules for how we treat people who are suffering from illnesses situated in the heart or their lungs or their prostate, and a different set of rules for how we treat people whose illnesses are in their brains. We know, of course, that the brain is just another organ that can betray us in a million ways, like every other part of our bodies. But when it's the brain that malfunctions, we humans can be pretty inhuman with each other. I was recently chatting with a friend and colleague of mine from the East Coast about this topic, and he shared a story that really stuck with me. One afternoon, he had a telephone call from the temple president, whose son had just entered a new drug rehab program. She told my friend, I am just so tired, and I don't know how I can possibly manage to get dinner on the table tonight. You know, through all of this, nobody has ever showed up to my house with a meal. If my son had cancer, God forbid, you know things would be different. It's interesting, isn't it, that we Jews, who have been instrumental in establishing the field of psychology, are not always comfortable openly talking about mental illness or dealing with those who suffer from it. Indeed, in some quarters of the Jewish community, there remains, remains a great reluctance to discuss this issue at all. This is despite the fact that there are so many examples of individuals with mental illness in our biblical and rabbinic texts. The Talmud, for example, gives us a powerful description of the darkness of depression. There we read the story of Rabbi Eliezer, who is ill, suffering from deep despair. When his friend Rabbi Yochanan visits him, he finds Eliezer alone in a darkened room, facing the wall. He cannot bear to see the light. Even the light from Yochanan's arm is too bright to his eyes and his soul. When Yochanan sees his friend crying, he asks, Why are you crying? Eliezer finally answers, I weep because all light fades into darkness because all beauty eventually rots. Yochanan, sitting beside his friend, replies, Yes, ultimately everything does die, so perhaps you have reason to weep. And Yochanan sat down with his friend and wept alongside him. After a while, Yochanan asked, Does darkness comfort you? No, Eliezer says. Then give me your hand, replied Yochanan. And he lifted Rabbi Eliezer up from his bed and out of his darkened room. Sometimes the Talmud teaches us the best way to help people who suffer is just to be present with them and accompany them in their darkness. 
I believe that many of us know this instinctively. We know the power of presence, just showing up, that it can give incredible comfort to those who suffer. We have made many visits to bedsides of friends who are ill. We have delivered soup and meals to those who are homebound. And yes, we have wept together at Shiva Minyanim and held tight to our loved ones who have lost children, siblings, partners, and friends, including so many to mental illness and addiction. But we have also looked away. The transgression we have committed before you by not returning the phone call of a friend whose mood can be unpredictable. The transgression we have committed before you by turning the other way at an oneg or another social situation to avoid engaging in sad conversation. The transgression we have committed before you by neglecting to check in with a friend whose child is struggling with addiction. All of these transgressions are reflections of our avoidance, of our discomfort with this emotional pain. Those who suffer and those who take care of those who suffer receive signals that their pain is burdensome, that they should not disturb others with their challenges. And so the stigma brings silence between friends and community members, those who suffer whose opportunities for connection. These are connections that we cannot afford to avoid. We must create a Jewish community in which sharing the struggles of our lives is met with embrace. Community empowers. Silence feeds stigma. Do you remember decades ago when we used to talk about cancer in a whisper? As if, God forbid, if we spoke the word out loud, we might catch it? Think about how differently we speak of cancer today. Why should it be any different with regards to mental health and addiction? Our shul must be a place where we will recognize and open ourselves to those suffering right next to us. So we will look, and we will see, and we will care. And not just because it's kind and decent. We will do this because the clinical evidence suggests that we, as a congregation, actually have an important role to play in the successful treatment of illnesses of the mind. Medical science has taught us that mental illness is best treated by an integrated model of care or the bio-psycho-social-spiritual approach. In other words, patients benefit from remedies that combine medication, behavioral therapy, the aid of friends and family, and the support of a religious community. This is the mitzvah of Bikur Cholim, our religious obligation to care for the sick, and the mitzvah of Pikuach Nefesh, our Jewish obligation to save lives whenever we can. Here in Vancouver, we are lucky to have Jack's Vancouver, a Jewish addictions support program that is a resource for those struggling with addiction and their families. I know many people who have found significant support from Jack's, and you can too. It took our community a very long time, 
and a lot of work to put together this resource, led by the incredible Rebecca Denham. From my conversations with rabbinical colleagues in Vancouver, I can share with you that Jax has already saved lives. And Jax has brought meaningful support to families who struggle with loved ones with addictions. If you have been struggling with addictions in your family, I urge you to contact Rebecca at Jax to connect with a support group. You are not alone. Today, on this holy day of introspection, we ask God to open the gates to our prayers. Openness is one of the most important themes of Yom Kippur. From the first moment of Kol Nidre, when we opened by throwing off the fetters of our vows, to the Vidui, when we have opened ourselves to critique, to the setting sun of Ne'ilah tonight, when we will implore God, Patach lanu sha'ar be'et ne'ilat sha'ar. Open the gates at the time when they would be locked. Please, God, keep the gates open a little longer. Today is a day of forgiveness, of renewal, of letting go, of being open. Just as we try today to be open with our souls before God, we must strive to be open with one another. Look around. This is our community. These are our brothers and sisters. These are the people to whom we are responsible. One way we can actualize our support is to share our personal stories. By speaking out, we can offer hope, encouragement, and support to others who struggle, and to their families and friends who may be trying to find help but don't know where to start. This is why Bruce Springsteen's memoir had made such an impact. By bringing his experience into the open, he has helped others to find the link between his story and their own. Many of you read a brave essay published this spring in the Globe and Mail by one of our own Temple Shalom members about her brother's struggle with addiction and mental health. She described very openly how his struggles have affected their family. She wrote, my brother does not look like a drug addict. He's stylish, personable, and smiles with the kindest dimples. He can relate to anyone on the planet with unexplainable empathy. And when he moved back to Vancouver about five years ago, we began to realize that his life had spiraled out of control. She described the many efforts at rehabs, recovery houses, navigating psychiatry and prescription costs, witnessing overdoses. And the emotional struggle of not knowing where to turn next, feeling like they had tried everything to help him. From her story, many others found their voice as well. Her essay is an incredible example of the power that comes from sharing our stories and breaking down stigma. You do not have to be published in the paper or write a memoir to find your voice. It is within each one of us to share and to listen. A cup of tea, a phone call, a walk in the woods. These are the openings through which we can encounter one another in compassion and in love. I want to speak directly for a moment to those of you who struggle with mental illness or addiction of one form or another every day. 
I want you to know that I can never fully understand the depths of your pain or the complexities of your life, but that you are not alone. We, your clergy, and your community are here for you. We will sit with you in your darkness. We will cry alongside you. And we will take your hand and lead you to the light of day when you feel ready. And we can also help you find the resources you need. Continue to be brave and strong. And may this year help you along a path toward compassion and contentment. And for those of you whose loved ones suffer from mental illness and addiction, mothers and fathers, children and siblings and partners, your hearts are so full with both love and pain. Today, as I stand before you, I stand in awe of you and all that you carry every day. May God continue to strengthen you and lift you as you care for the ones you love. And may you feel the embrace of our community as we stand ready to listen, as you are ready to share. It is Yom Kippur, a time when we open our hearts. We have to talk to one another and overcome the silence. This is too hard to face alone and too widespread to be held underground. Open the gates, Adonai. Open us all.